Welcome to No Shame in the Home Game, the podcast that cares how your home feels, not looks. I am Lacey. I am here uh, as far as a co-host go, and and that's about all I got. So I'm going to get you Sarah, your co-host, who is more than just here. She is in charge. So, and Lacey, Sarah, it is a little funny because you are the one who drives the podcast in so many ways. So for you this morning, I almost feel like it's a little bit of a driver who's had maybe one too many drinks. And I'm like, I really <laughs> hope she's doing her end because I don't know how to operate this vehicle. But there's no consequences. So I'm not like really scared. Sadie oh knows gosh. both of us. Sadie loves both of us. Like we're just having a good time. If we're just maybe our car isn't moving, we're just sitting in the car and we're just all laughing and it's all good. I feel like we need an Uber driver, though. Hey, at this, We're meeting our goals. It's a self-driving yeah. car at this point. I hit start. It's going to take us where we need to go. I don't need to do anymore. I want to lean into this slightly <laughs> intoxicated. <laughs> I, maybe my coffee should have some like Baileys in it or something. I don't, I don't know. I think you need any help, Lacey. I think you just need to <laughs> ride the wave you're on. For the audience, Lacey has a lot going on in her life. And in true Lacey form, she wants to do it all five minutes ago. Not in the future. She wants it done and already done. So yesterday. her head is going in about a thousand directions. I was telling Sadie and Sarah that this last night I went to bed and all I could think about is how we had to caulk the kitchen. And I just literally visualized myself doing it over and over. Partially because caulking is actually a very restful activity. You smooth it, you just squeeze it, and then you smooth it out. And for some reason, my brain just really liked that. But this morning, I woke up before I even made my coffee. I was like, I got to do this. I have to get this done. And then as soon as I got it done and I got my co coffee, then my husband is like, hey, I need documents to sign up for benefits. And I'm covered. In and then I was like, oh, yeah, we're recording a podcast. I don't know. I was sitting in my bra on the cat on the bed looking for documents at one point. I, I just mean, hear you're doing it's great. happening. Life's you're yeah. doing We're done I'm this like, that I've done all week. You're good. I know. I often think Lacey sells herself way too short. When she told me one one episode she was talking about, she made her own dip. And I was like, hold up, you're making... I'm like, no, that's way too many extra steps. She's like, it's easy. Oh, I'm like, you do so much more. You do so much more than I do. It's a really good ranch dip. Good ranch makes a difference. This is a hill I will die on. That good ranch makes a difference in my life. Like yes. we're going to do a little bit of cottage cheese. We're going to do a little bit of sour cream. We're going to uh, do some mayonnaise. Put way too right, much ranch package Yeah, put mix. the recipe. This is life changing. Yeah. It makes it, pro I don't know. It makes me feel like I am getting more protein and like I'm some mm. kind of health food person. Okay, I'm not. But in, in my meals with my PCOS, I'm supposed to be eating a protein with basically any carb because it helps with. I don't know. Science stuff. And science, science, insulin and all this stuff. So anywhere that they're like, here, you can sneak in protein and you don't notice. I'm like, sure. But I, you have to actually not notice. I'm not one of those people that's like, yeah, replace this with chickpeas and you won't notice. And I go, you'll notice. So the cottage cheese, when you blend it, you really don't notice. Go down a really different road. <laughs> My husband will often say, this tastes healthy. Oh. And that's not a compliment. So yeah. I know what you mean where you're like, you can't just swap it out and not have it. No, I have to actually not taste it. So, yeah. I'm going to say we jumped. Today? We just we're midstream. Like we didn't walk into the water. We just plunged into the deep end. And the audience is like, where are we? Welcome. Sadie and Lacey and I all three know each other. And Sadie, if you want to tell the audience just a little bit about whatever you want to share, I don't know, your shoe size, your favorite oh, drink on a hot day, whatever you want to share to let the audience know a little bit about you. I do want to know like, those things now. A le <laughs> lemonade with a little mint, but like I'm very much a homemade person. So if mm -hmm. I'm going to have lemonade, I'm squeezing the damn thing by myself. Like I really like homemade stuff and I don't do it often because I don't have time for it, but the payoff is there. Shoe size, girls, you do not want to know my shoe size. My shoes have changed drastically. I'm now in orthotics all the time after having three kids. It has to be quality walking shoes. And they've grown a size and a half, like a half a size per pregnancy. It's not cool. 
There's nothing good about that. It's not cool. <laughs> Come on, pregnancy. Not cool, pregnancy. Not cool. No one told me I was still stuffing my oh, nine and a half size foot into eight size shoes. It was, I have a lot of problems with my feet now. <laughs> don't need to, people talk, don't need to talk not secret. Yeah. It was like cool a while ago and now it's just old lady stuff and it's got weird. Yeah, I, I like to say that I'm a recovering entrepreneur. Thought that's what I wanted in my life was to an empire. And it's exhausting. It is not for me. I spent a lot of time soul searching in the past year and a half and discovered that I am a creative. I'm an artist. I'm a writer. And so I'm leaning into those things now. And I'm glad that I Figured these things out about a year and a half ago because six months ago, my husband was diagnosed with brain cancer. And that has been interesting to say the least. And so a lot of life changes over the past three years. I think for a lot of us, our lives have changed because of the pandemic. And I think that's where it all started for me also. And so I feel now there's a lot of stuff going on in my life, but I feel good. I feel that peace and stable today. <laughs> and it's not always that way, but, but I have an anchor to hold on to and keep me grounded when I can easily spiral over things that have been happening. So that's me in a nutshell. I love it. Yeah. And you gave a nice highlight to why we invited you on as one of our experts for in-between participant seasons. Because when I met you, it was, what, two weeks before your husband got diagnosed with brain cancer? Yeah, I think and that was, yeah. I'd met you. I'd already fallen in love with you instantly. And I was like, is it too soon to say I want to be a best friend? And then all of a sudden, yeah, I knew something was something was different. And then all of a sudden it was your world was upside down. And so I've, I've watched from the sidelines. We don't live near each other. You are in... Are you outside Boston? Yeah, I'm just north of Boston. Just yeah. north of Boston. So we've never actually met in person, as I've never met Lacey in person. <laughs> but yes, I've watched so your- wild. I feel like you guys are so much closer, though. I know. <laughs> There's potential. I, I threatened to come out and help her at one point. I was like, I'll be there tomorrow. Yes, you did. Say it. I'll be there tomorrow. Um, but You're you amazing. To, you seem <laughs> to have a great support network. I was in awe yeah. of your interview with Lacey on Sharing the Middle. When you shared a little bit more, because you can look back a little bit on your experience, and I was moved. As somebody who's gone through some traumatic times in my life, I was moved by what you shared as reflection. You heard adaptive solutions. I heard you finding like when you needed to take it easy, when you could move forward. I just, I heard so many beautiful things. And I just thought, as this show being home management and we're not looking for ideal solutions because life is never, I don't want to say never ideal, but it, ideal is, I don't know. I don't know anyone who has got an ideal day-to-day -day going on. And so to hear how you went through your life being turned upside down, I thought, wow, you have a lot yeah. to share with some people who maybe are in the middle of their life turning upside down or they don't know it's going to tomorrow or next week. So yeah, I wanted to have a conversation with you on here to really hear your journey through managing your home while everything was changing around you. That's interesting because I feel like when you briefly mentioned, oh, managing your home, it seems like a, eh, it's not a big deal kind of thing. And it's a really huge deal, especially when you have people to care for and people constantly making messes. I think the home management portion of my life has changed so dramatically over the years, that's been something I've also had to kind of look in the face and try to figure out why things are working and why things aren't. So to give you a little bit of history about this, my husband and I have been together for 17 years. Prior to that, I would absolutely tell you that my parents would say, I am the messy one. <laughs> I like as a creative mind, like just drop things as soon as I got in the house and just move on, my room, my, my stomach would just close the door, like, close it. She didn't want to see it. Um, and I carried that throughout college. And then I met my husband and he cleaned, he cooked, he did laundry. 
he did a lot of the domestic duties in our lives until he had children. And when we had kids, it was like the light switch totally turned off. And it was my turn to take over all of the domestic duties with children. And he would say, I did all this stuff before kids. And I'm like, you know, there was one less person to take care of and to clean up after. Um, and so for the next, uh, I would say, six years or so, it was me taking care of everything in the house, doing the dishes, cooking, meal prep, all of the thing. And that was daunting for a person who is more messy naturally. And I've had to work on that a lot. And then we moved out of her home in November of 2019 to move in with my sister-in-law, who is a self-proclaimed OCD clean freak. So let me say that again. I moved in with three children, my husband and myself, into a house with someone who has OCD and is a clean freak. The stress was times almost unbearable. And that was a difficult time in my life because it's not, people would say, look, just do what you can. And then if it's not up to her level of cleanliness, she'll just clean it. No, I'm living in her house. She is doing us this wild favor and I can't clean up to her level of cleanliness. Like it was, that guilt was a lot. It's still there. I'm not sure I can let that go. I owe her like our lives, basically. And then we're all, now we're all trapped inside the house because of the pandemic. So now everyone's home for a while. And I would say that during that time, I started taking on some of my sister-in-law Peggy's mindset about the house being clean. And so now it became really important to me that the house didn't have a ton of clutter. And of course, things built up over time. And it was really difficult to make sure that I got rid of them at some point or I'd see her start to declutter and I'm like, oh, let me help. But those started to become inherent to me as well. So when we did move into our home after three years, we finally moved into the, while we moved out, we moved out because we were remodeling our home. We actually demolished it and rebuilt it. So my husband did almost all of that himself. And it took nearly three years. So we moved into our home that we currently have now that you see behind me a year ago. And Sarah, you were so sweet to remember my year anniversary. And, and so during that time of realizing that a clean home does really help your mental stability and feeling decluttered in your brain as well, I was upset with my husband for not helping, which seems crazy to me now because he was either at work nine to five, or at our house building our home. And I'm like, I'm all alone. He was kind of alone too. But during that time, I felt like I needed to find the right verbiage to then speak with him on a mature level. And I ended up finding Eve Rodsky's Fair Play. And so I read that book and it really resonated with me. And she had a Google talk and I sent it to my husband and he understood and frustrated because not just because these past three years, but because when we started having kids, I got stuck in a role of domesticity that I didn't really want or, and, but we had never talked about it. So reading that book really helped arm me and empower me with the right words to then go to my husband and say, this is why I'm feeling this way. And I'm feeling like things are very unfair right now. And so when we moved into our home, he was starting to really get that and he was helping out more with specific things. And I would say, you know, what's fair to me is if you handle all aspects of laundry, I'll do everything else. Like I will do everything else. And that's fair to me because the laundry really it gets in my head and it becomes overwhelming to me. And he was like, great. And then he gets diagnosed with cancer. Wait, real, real quick. I just want to really want to paint the picture for people listening. You moved yeah. in with three children in November of 2019 yeah. with, a, with an yeah. OCD sister-in-law. So for yeah. three years with three kids during a pandemic, yeah. while your husband was building your new house and you're all trying to yeah. live in this strange, three years of that, shudder at the thought of doing that for a week on vacation and you did it for three years. So 
you do all of this. You finally get into your newly renovated house. What was the month? It was 2022. September. Yep. Uh, 2022. You finally move into your house with your three kids. You've had the conversation with your husband about equal share of domestic bliss. You were actually, you started your job was new then, right? You just started a new job. Yes, I started, I want to say it was May of that year. Okay, yeah, so you're so still like finding your footing with your jet here in the <laughs> And then yeah. your husband, very suddenly, it goes. I find him on the floor. Yes. Yeah, I find him on the floor one day and take him to ER. And they quickly tell us there is a mass in his brain. And then we find out a couple of weeks later, it is brain cancer. It's inoperable. It's, re- it's going to require radiation and chemo, radiation for six weeks and chemo for a year. And selfishly, and I'm admitting this because I feel like it might be helpful for other people. Selfishly, I'm like, Are you, you're kidding me. Like, we just moved in. We just started finding some areas of common ground when it comes to the mental load. And now I'm taking it all on again. And so I was terrified. Let me just real quick. Yeah. Not selfish. It's human. You were a human. You had human feelings. It's not selfish. I just, I, I, and this is something you and I had talked about in sharing the middle. I'm the sick person in my relationship. And so it's so much easier for me to look at my husband than I think maybe someone on the outside to be like, no, this sucks for you too. Like, I just, so it's very important to me that I validate that no, it is not selfish. Your life got upended too. And he has said that recently. And it's been helpful to have those conversations because in the beginning, when he was first diagnosed, my sister-in-law, Peggy, she's freaking sane, I swear, shows up at my house one day with a bucket and like six bags from Target of cleaning supplies. And I looked at her and I was like, what, what are you? And she goes, it's my process. Let me do it. And so she said, go upstairs, lay down, and I'm cleaning your house. And I had amazing people in my life to step in and say, there's no way you're doing that. You can't do this with the time you have in a day and let me help you. And it's a very vulnerable feeling to allow people in your life to just do it. And then this is the biggest part and not feel guilty about it. Not sure I'm 100% there because like I said, I still feel guilt over the time we lived with her and I couldn't do what I knew would make her feel comfortable in her own space. And then then he had the six weeks of chemo and radiation and then now ongoing chemo each month. And, and he was still able to help out with some things until recently. And last week, I had one of those moments. Things are not perfect. I don't have everything under control, especially all the time. I yelled at my entire family and I said, like we had a, we had friends over the night before I hosted everything. I made sure everything was prepped. I made sure everything was cleaned. I had to yell at people to help me to clean. And then I come down the next morning and everything is still out. And I was not happy (laughs) and I let my family have it. And then afterwards I felt, wait a second, that's not helpful because all they're hearing is, and so I went to the whiteboard on the wall. And I wrote down everything that needed to be done in the house. And I gave each child an opportunity to take a task or three. And I had this thought of why has this taken me so long to ask for my children's help? Back in the day, farmers had kids to work the farm. (laughs) Not saying I had children to help me clean the house. But if they're making a mess, they can pick up a broom. And so... They've each picked out responsibilities that are age appropriate. So my nine-year-old son is emptying the dishwasher and that is his thing. And he does it every day. He also takes out the recycling. My seven-year-old son takes out the trash and replenishes all the bathrooms with toiletries. And my daughter, who's almost five, cleans up after herself. She goes down to the basement where all the toys are and she puts all the toys in the appropriate bucket. Does she get it right every time? No. But... They are now armed with responsibilities that make them feel proud at the end of the day. And I don't give them money for it. 
this is their responsibility for living in the home that is also theirs. And we've been doing that for only about two weeks. But so far, everyone's stuck to their responsibilities and they're happy to do them. I want to jump in right there. And as Lacey knows, I love to reframe things for people because I heard you say, why did it take me so long to ask my kids to be involved? Because your life has been upside down for a long time. Your youngest is five. There was zero opportunity. Like you were living in your sister-in-law's house. It's hard. That's a really difficult place to start something like that. And then your husband got, you moved into the new house. Your husband got sick. No, it makes perfect sense that there hadn't been a, okay, let's start to learn roles in our house. No, the opportunity presented itself. That was the right time to start it. And so I want you, I don't want you to carry around any guilt or shame around that. It's like, no, you had a lot going on. Does that feel okay? Yeah. Yeah. It does. It does make sense now that you put it that way. Why it's taken so long. I actually sat my husband down too and I said, you have to pick a couple of these as well. And he's like, fine, laundry. And he like begrudgingly picks his tasks. And now for, I would say about a week of that, everybody's doing their task. And then my husband looks at me one night and he says, I have nothing. I have nothing in my tank. I am exhausted. The fact that he goes to work full time is incredible to me. And then he comes home and he tries to play with the kids, but like has to lay down afterwards. And in that moment, I said, I support you. I get that. And he's like, you can't yell at me for the dishes then. I'm like, you're right. I cannot do that. But I am allowed to vent without you feeling like you have to do something. So if I saw, oh my gosh, this is so overwhelming and I, the laundry's piling up, I don't expect you to do the laundry. I don't expect you to do the dishes. I just expect you to listen. That's it. Because I live with you and it's hard to not say I'm exhausted. I know that you are and I know that you have something insane going on and so do I. And it's taken me a lot to say just that sentence. We were all promised a village to get support in our everyday lives, and sometimes that doesn't happen. There's this big gap between telling your friends what's going on in your life and waiting for an appointment with your therapist. That's why Sarah and I have developed the Joyful Support Movement Village. The village is a place for peer support, resources, and connection with those who are like-minded and want to do joyful support together. You also get to have some fun bonus content from No Shame in the Home Game, Sharing the Middle, and Pops of Joy. We cannot wait for you to join us in the village. You can do so at joyfulsupportmovement.com. We just interviewed a listening expert. And what I heard you do right there was a tool she taught us, which is two truths can be true at the same time. Yes, I am overwhelmed and I still get to feel frustrated. And it's also true that you can, I can be frustrated without you feeling bad about it because you have nothing left to give, but I still get to feel this way. And I think what's so important for to highlight in this conversation for people listening is things aren't going to be the same. You don't get to vent and then be like, and I want you to take care of it. Your situation keeps pivoting and fluctuating and everything's changing. And I think sometimes as the person, since you're not, the, you're not the one going through the health journey, it's like it all keeps going back on your plate. But you have limitations too, because as we said at the very beginning, you are a human being. You get to feel overwhelmed and overtaxed. And there can be that like, whew, this is a lot. And I get to say that out loud because I'm a human and I want to share. Oh, I just think that's, I think that's huge because yeah, I can imagine people who are like, I'm not the sick one. I shouldn't be able to say I feel frustrated. I shouldn't be, I don't have it as bad, but like, no, you can, those two truths can still exist at the same time. I completely agree. It did take me a long time to come to that realization and to say it out loud because Lacey said, I am human, but it does feel selfish sometimes to say those things. Um, and the thing that I do love about our relationship is that we can be really empathetic to each other. And so he'll say things like, I 
don't even know how you're doing what you're doing to me. And I'll say, I don't know how you're doing what you're doing. I understand that he wants to do things. The fact that he can't play with our kids without feeling entirely taxed must feel awful you know so i and in the same sense he's like you're doing all this stuff with the kids and making sure the home is taken care of and all i couldn't do all of that and stay strong throughout so knowing that we see each other is huge because throughout these past four years or so i'm not sure we could say that a couple of years ago so there's a big shift in how we're communicating with each other now. So when I say something like, I am so, wait, let me preface this with, I know you're really exhausted and I know you're going through something, but I just have to tell you I'm exhausted right now and I do not feel like doing the laundry. (laughs) And he can say, I hear you. And that's it. That's all I need. That, I, yes, I feel like this is so huge. It might seem small, but I feel like it's so huge because after, I don't even know how many years of marriage it's been, (laughs) I lose track. 16 years of marriage. I don't know. We met in 2000. So whatever that is. We've known each other a long time. But yeah, I've had to learn, just like you said, to preface it with, okay, whatever I'm about to say after this, I just want to say it out loud. I don't want you to feel bad. I don't want you to take it on. I just want to be able to say it. Because if I said, I feel overwhelmed, he would immediately get defensive of, I was doing this, or I didn't know, or I didn't. And I'm like, no, I don't want to feel your shame or your burden or your guilt. No, I don't. That's one more thing on my plate. I just want to be able to say this out loud and be heard. So I yes. love that you said, I wrote it down, that you can just see one another. Instead of reacting, reacting, as Deb, our listening expert would say, just hold space for one another and yeah. just recognize what's going on. I want to go back. This is all so juicy. Please, I could talk to you so long about all of this. I do want to go back and highlight the accepting help. You said you had a lot of people in your life who were very generous. And yes. So was your first inclination to push people and be like, no, I can do it. I can do it. Or were you willing to just say, yeah, come on in. (laughs) Come on in and do it, please. There's a really, it's a two-part answer. It's almost funny in my mind when you ask that. My sister-in-law, Peggy, I Peggy, if you're listening, I love you. If she says this is what needs to happen, I surrender to what she says needs to happen. She is like a guru. (laughs) So if she shows up and looks me in the face and said, this is my process, you need to let me do it. I'm letting her do it. Like, I just let it happen. With friends and family, that becomes a little more difficult for me. I have not studied the psychology of why. (laughs) I feel after... Sometime there's a shell shock reaction of I this is happening in my life. I just need to do X, Y, and Z and make sure that these things are taken care of. And that really was where are my kids? How are they getting to and from places? And how am I getting to and from the hospital to be with my husband? And that was the initials. This is what I have to do. And then I have an amazing group of friends who just showed up. They don't take no for an answer and they don't ask, (laughs) which sounds intrusive, but I trust them so much that it's not. So for instance, one day I had to take my husband somewhere and this is all happening, mind you, two weeks before Christmas. One day I was taking my husband somewhere and I come back and I walk in my house and this couch you see behind me is there and my Christmas tree has been put up and moved And all my girlfriends are just sitting in here waiting for me to arrive. And thinking about it now, I could cry because we hadn't gotten a couch yet. We just, it wasn't on our radar. Everyone was sitting on the floor. Nobody cared, really. But in the back of my mind, it was like, maybe we should get a couch because we had one down the basement and it was a big couch. And so y'all just went down there and watched TV and they knew he would need a recliner to be able to get up. And one of my best friends who lives right near me, bought a couch with two recliners built in and made sure the Christmas tree was up and like the holiday spirit was alive and well. And to me, that is always going to be the holiday spirit, just doing for your neighbors and for your loved ones. And that was just one example. Another one is I texted one of my dear friends as well. There's a group of four of us. And I said, I need to 
wrap all the gifts for my kids. And I think I'm going to try to do that today. And so I'm at the table and I'm starting to wrap gifts and knock on the door. Three of my girlfriends come in with coffee, wrapping paper, and they wrapped all my kids' gifts for me. Don't know what I would have done without community, without friendship, without the human connection, and without the kindness and consideration of other people. And that is what I'm going to take away from this more than anything. And there are so many other ways that people showed up with meal trains. So they helped with meals for three months, for three full months. My son plays hockey. Hockey parents were picking him up and taking him to school or taking him to hockey practice and hockey games um, from school. And we just had an incredible support system. And that is really what got me through it all. And people would tell me they were specifically doing that to help me too. And you don't think about yourself as much. And to put those things on the back burner. And I tried to journal to be aware and cognizant of how I was feeling throughout this time. But you try not to show any cracks. And I'm not sure why you do that. I think it's human to show those cracks, but you're trying to be a pillar of strength for so long that you end up crumbling if you don't acknowledge those moments and you don't accept the help. And I didn't want to crumble for my children. I didn't want to crumble for myself because I'd done so much work on finding out who I was and the things I wanted to do in life. This surely tested me, but it didn't break me altogether. And it was because of the support of the community that I was able to get through that time and still able to get through that time. I can tell L- Lacey, I, you were speaking to my heart. And I just really, when it comes to home management, first of all, I could talk for hours about support. But when it comes to home management, it's very easy to not accept the help. I'm going to use my own story as an example. Alex, who's my dear friend who was on the podcast this past season, she I made a joke about needing to paint and I was like, so if you guys want to paint, and I genuinely was just making a joke, but she saw my husband and was like, so I'm coming over on Wednesday and I'm going to show up. And she brought, we had my friend come to, and she took the option away from me to say no, which made our home management easier. (laughs) And and when I was hearing you talk, I'm like, your community, your friends took that management off of you too, because they just showed up and did it. And, and there's a whole lot of dance and lines to this. But for me, that element of not needing to ask, not needing to coordinate all of those different like little things that you don't even think about when you are getting support. That's what meant the most to me is that she's like, I'm, I can be there on Wednesday. I'm going to be there around 615. Do you have the supplies? Do I need this? You know, like, she took care of the details so I could just be like, okay. And that level of management is so helpful because it's those details that get in the way. And I just, I think for listeners and also for Alex, because I know she'll listen and I thank her profusely for it, but it's those actions that make it so much easier to accept help rather than what can I do to help? But instead saying, oh, you need help with this. I will be there. Yeah. Yeah. And there were so many instances of that, like with the meal train, my other sister-in-law set that up and dealt with the entire thing. I didn't have to do anything with help and people physically coming to stay with me. My family got together and they said, these are the dates we're coming. And when they came, they didn't expect anything from me. They came and cleaned and took care of my children. And those types of things, like you said, when you don't have to say, this is what I need and somebody just knows what you need, is inc- it's incredible. And it makes me want to be a better person and makes me want to see that for other people. And I think that is the most incredible thing about Peggy that I want to tap into is she always knows what you need before you need it and does it without even asking you. And I just want to be more of that all the time if I can be. I also want to say she listens. And I like when I think, so you're, my mom is my Peggy. Just Mm -hmm. my Carolyn, that's my Peggy. And it's because she listens and she, because she listens when I talk, again, going back to listening in depth, 
when she listens to my talk, she hears what needs to be done. And by listening, she knows. So it's not like she's a fortune teller who is this guru. Anybody, any of us can listen, hear what somebody else needs yeah. and just do it for them. Yeah, It's not really, I mean, it is magic, but it isn't some mystical magic that they just know things. No, they just listen. Your friends heard that you needed a couch. Your friends knew that you needed the holiday spirit because of they heard how you talked about it. That's how we learn. Because this is a big realization for me. <laughs> but then I was like, ooh, I talk a lot. I complain a lot. So sometimes I would talk to Peggy and be like, wow, yeah, I've been meaning to get a new coat. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I'll get my own coat. I'm just saying this out loud. And I think that's what happens is a lot of times when I'm talking to my friends or when I'm talking to Peggy, I'm saying out loud things that I just am trying to remind myself to do. And then they hear it and do it. So sometimes I'm like, I need to, I'm just going to go write that down or put it in my phone. Because if I say it out loud, I know someone's showing up at my door. What and I don't want them to have to, have to go out of their it. way. Okay. Okay. I get excited. I say, okay, a lot. Okay. I've got all these notes written down of things <laughs> I want to say. So first of all, wait, I have to do, I have to do a little PSA about meal trains. They're amazing and they're wonderful. And like you said, somebody needs to take control and do it. If you ever participate in a meal train, I'm so adamant about this, drop it off with dishes that you do not expect to get back. Please buy those aluminum foil, disposable things, even drop off paper plates for the person so they don't have to do any dishes. I helped with a meal train and I said up top very clearly, please reduce the burden on this person. And when I showed up at that person's house and I saw a pile of dishes that needed to go. She's like, I don't even know who these belong to. I hope people show up and grab them. And I was like, I was irate. I was like, no, no, no. That's one more thing on your plate. You now are housing other people's casserole dishes. I was so PSA to anybody participating, make it as easy as possible. I also wanted to go back to the whole, the asking part. I read this beautiful article by somebody years ago who had a brain tumor and he was talking about, yeah, when people say, what can I do to help or tell me what to do? He's like, I'm not going to ask you to take my trash out, but that's what needs to be done. I'm not going to ask you to change light bulbs, but that's what needs to be done. And like Lacey was saying, to not have to think about any of the details for people just to show up. But then there is that fine line to, like you said, they took away the option of you saying no, but boy, is that a fine line. Oh my gosh. Like you don't want somebody up in your business washing your delicates and you're like, no, I want to say no to them. Come on. So you have to really, so anyone listening, you have to really know the person really well. And I think what Lacey said rang true is that they listened. They really listened to what I needed without me realizing I was saying, hey, I really need help with this. And these are people who have who've known me for many years and know that they weren't. They, they knew they were going to cross a line. But yes, it can get tricky. I can see that. It can get tricky. And I am such a passive person. I, had a, I have a loved one in my life. It's very similar world upside down situation where I kept offering. They kept saying no. They kept saying no. And I finally got to that point where I was like, I'm taking away your option to say no. I'm flying in on this day. I'm staying for this long. I'm going to do this unless you tell me something else that needs to be done. But I know this needs to be done. And I had to take away because that person is very much like a Carolyn or a Peggy. They're always taking care of others. And and I realized, oh, she doesn't know how to ask or say yes to this. And I was like, but I'm so passive. I never want to upset anybody. So that fine line is very fine. But it's beautiful if you can find it. And for anyone listening who feels pressure, I don't I don't know how to find that right thing. I don't know how to. Everyone needs to eat. Think about basics. And even if you don't know what food to make, just send them a text message and say, I'm sending you an Uber Eats card. I'm buying you dinner from Panera tonight. My app is open. You can share a link to order. You just order it and I'm going to get it delivered to your house. You tell me what time. Like you, everyone needs to eat. So uh, there are so many ways, but yes, it is such a fine line about people showing up, taking away that option to say no, but then surrendering and letting it be a beautiful thing and not then feeling bad or guilty that I didn't put up my own Christmas tree or I didn't wrap my own gifts because part of that gift is is receiving it and letting it be beautiful. 
And wait, funny, I always like to insert comedy. For listeners who followed Alex's story, everyone knows she's eight months pregnant. I was like, as soon as you told me Alex was painting your hallway, I was like, oh, I want a picture of that. I want a picture of an eight-month pregnant lady painting a hallway. She did mostly the bathroom, my friend, my other friend Katie thought. But it was funny because there are a couple of points where she's like, I can't reach because like she had to like go over the toilet. It's like, I can't reach this. And I'm like, that's fine. Thank <laughs> you. It's just fine. Whatever you're gonna I want an eight, eight month. If her belly did not have a strip of paint on it, I would be did it? shocked. What? A magician. Didn't. No, she's a magician. She is magic. But it's just, it was just funny because she also, she's just, sometimes I forget I'm pregnant. And I'm like, we are very different people because when I was pregnant, there was uh, never a moment that I knew I didn't know I was pregnant. But it was, I, and I, it, I will be honest, if she would have asked because of that, I would have been like, no, you're pregnant. Don't worry about it. But she literally just said to my husband, all right, I have Wednesday. I'm going to come at this time. And it, and it her me worrying about her being pregnant. It was just this whole thing. But yeah, no, it was just so funny to me, though, that she's like, I'm just not going to get those. I'm like, that's fine. You don't have to contort your eight month pregnant body to get up in that corner over the toilet. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> I want as much joy in my life as possible, and we here at the Joyful Support Movement want that for you as well. We bring you joy in no shame in the home game, spreading home management solutions. We bring you joy through sharing the middle by hearing about navigating the messy middles of life, and also through Pops of Joy, a podcast exploring what brings joy to others. Listen, enjoy, and share with those in your life. May your day be filled with joy. Sadie, I'm wondering, I'm hearing about all this amazing community who showed up. And as much as people can listen and intuit, like sometimes there are gaps where you still need help. Did you find that you were able to ask when you needed things or were you still trying to squeeze the last ounce of life force out of yourself? to be everywhere for everyone at every moment in time. Yeah, I think I was just trying. I think I was just trying to do it. There's a line, right? I don't want people to come over and clean my house. The fact that Peggy did that was amazing. And I didn't say no. She was here. She had a bucket. She was doing it. But that's not something I would ever have asked anyone to help me with. And that really is the biggest part of it in my life right now is just the cleaning aspect of things because I have a handle on cooking. I know what my family likes and it's pretty easy to get that taken care of. Sometimes I hate going grocery shopping, but you know what? With technology, I can just order online and just go pick it up or have it delivered. So those types of things are easy, but three kids and a husband, we make a mess, right? So it's constantly cleaning up behind ourselves and I'm getting that help from my kids now has been a game changer because that's also been on my mind this whole time. What are they seeing? How are they seeing their parents and what their roles are? And how is that going to you know, like infiltrate their mindset about what they're going to be like as they get older? Um, and I certainly didn't want my daughter thinking she has to take care of the household duties because she sees me doing it and my boys being like, eh, I don't really have to do it that much because dad's not. And having the conversation with them about uh, dad was gone for almost three years working on the house. And and now we have to help each other because dad's not able to do it. So just reminding them that we're all in this to help each other. And I hope you do that in future relationships, too. You are not the person, the point person all the time. You do not have to be. But. You are going to have to step it up sometimes when the person that you love can't. Um, so that that was a thorn in my side for a while before we moved into Peggy's house. They were too little to see that. And then when we started having those conversations about let's let's help each other with domestic labor and our mental load and whatnot, we started doing that. And then this happened. So it was a reminder to the kid, you're old enough now to see what's going on. And I'm going to remind you, we help each other. And to also highlight that when people come to help out to highlight to them like mom and dad have be really amazing friends and family it's so important to be a good friend it's so important to find good friends and to be a good friend and i hope that 
is something that they'll take with them from this situation too. Yeah, that's beautiful. There's so much beauty in all of that. Teaching your kids, yeah, how to receive it, how to give it, seeing when it fluctuates, it changes. Like, I think that's what all this has been. It's just, it's all fluctuating each day, what everyone's capable, what you're capable of. And I'm wondering on that note of fluctuating, were you able to adjust your expectations over this past year of the shoulds? My house should be picked up. I should be cooking a meal. Have you been able to let go of some of that pressure of the shoulds? Listeners can't see me laughing and like smiling. (laughs) 100%. And Sarah, I think I told you this, and I'm pretty sure I did learn this from you. I have non-negotiables. These are the things that must happen every day. That bed better be made. I cannot leave that room until my bed is made. I need to know that when I step into my room at night, I've got a plush blanket (laughs) ready for me and it looks enticing and I can get in and relax. To me, that's just like relaxation. I have a kitchen island that this computer is on right now. And it is the main thing you see when you walk into the home. And it is the epicenter of our home, the kitchen. The island must be tidied and cleaned at night. It has to be. I People can't just drop a bunch of junk on it. And if they do, I'm removing it or somebody's helping me remove it. And it has to be cleaned. Now, the other part of the kitchen can have junk on it. And it does. There's a corner full of a stack of junk, but there's nothing on the island. So I'm good. The dining room table has to be cleaned off and the uh, living room just has to be tidy. And that's because when people come in and out of my home and when I come in and out of my home, I want to be able to relax. If other places aren't tidied or perfectly clean, I'm okay with that. But that allows us visitors and it allows me to walk into my home and walk into my bedroom and know that I'm going to sleep well. I'm going to walk into my house and I'm going to feel immediate comfort, not saying a mess. So if that is messy, that's the first thing I do. I clean up my island and I and my son tidies up the dining room or the living room. My other son will help clear out the table. Those are the things that have to be done, but laundry will pile up. The dishes will sometimes pile up. But now that my son's taking the dishes out of the dishwasher, it's so much easier for me to fill it, you know? So that right there was hugely helpful. No, things are not perfect. And the basement is just a pit of despair. Like I do, if it is messy, so be it. I don't care. Kids are the ones who usually go down there. If they go down and it's messy, it's going to get messy again anyways. So if I walk down and I see it, just tiptoe back up the stairs, whatever. And then probably like once a month, I'll tell the kids, okay, it's basement cleaning day. Just put things in their bins. And we also got rid of a lot of things, unnecessary items that we didn't need any longer and that they've outgrown. And just decluttering in that way means there's less mess when there is a mess. It's definitely not perfect. I think that's beautiful for people listening because that's been one of the common themes and something Lacey and I really highlighted in our last episode with the participant season, which was, are you doing things because of how they how it makes you feel? Or are you doing things out of some kind of external obligation? And what is that motivation? So I love how beautifully you highlighted that. The kitchen island, that makes me feel good. And that's why I do it. But that other area, I can let that go. Like you're doing it for yourself, not because you think somebody's going to walk in and judge you. You're doing it because it makes you feel it's filling up your cup is what I'm hearing. And I think that is beautiful. And on that note, what else? I heard you talk about this in your episode with Lacey on the middle. During this whole past year, and I know you're still filling up your cup. But how are you able to keep yourself going during this time of upheaval, really? How are you sustaining yourself? So I just actually saw a little clip, I want to say on Instagram, and it was this woman who was a bedside nurse for years of people who were dying. And over the course of six years, she said, there are five things that people always say on their deathbed. And number one was, I wish I had lived a life for me and not what other people expected me to be. And I took a hard look at that a year and a half ago. And Lacey and I talked about that. And it was this moment of physical, I feel like I'm choking. I feel like I'm drowning in a glass half full. I need to realize what does light up my life and how can I share that with others? 
And it's incredible how often we live on autopilot. It really is. Sitting with yourself and looking at your life and looking at who you truly are. People always say, be yourself. Just be yourself. What the hell is that? When do we sit and say, who is Sarah? Who is Lacey? Who is Sadie? And so I stopped and I wrote down all the things I loved as a child. What are the things that made me passionate and lit my eyes up as a kid? And that was automatically music and writing, just automatically. That has been the common theme of my life, my entire being. And I've turned a blind eye to it so long because that's not what made money, quote unquote. Music and writing don't make money. It's a it's an incredibly difficult market to break into. It's, it's an art. So it wasn't fully seen as something that was uplifted in my life growing up. So once I figured that out and realized that I didn't have to push so hard, and I like that, you're talking about how you feel. I always felt like I was pushing a giant boulder up this huge mountain all the time, trying to be this mogul, trying to create an empire, being huge in the tech world, being a CEO, all these things that I thought would make me look like I was a superhuman. I was dying inside. It was squeezing the life out of me. And I let go of the boulder. I stepped out of the way first so it didn't crush me because it could have. So I stepped out of the way. I let the boulder go. And now I'm just walking up the mountain without pushing. It is still a struggle to do the things you love and to find those passions and then go for it. You can find your passion. You can feel like this is my dream. But actually doing it and going for it, you're still going to be walking up the mountain. But it's going to be a lot easier without pushing a giant boulder at the same time. So that's where I'm at now. I'm writing on a daily basis. I talk about music all the time. That's going to be incorporated into the things I do and the things I write about. It's I'm finding my community of people who like that as well and who want to hear those things and finding an audience is amazing. And also, I think the number one thing for, I think you ladies too, because I see you as overachievers as well, is not seeking validation. Wanting the reward, the recognition from everything you do was debilitating. Now, when I write something, now when I post something, I know that publishers and editors are going to want to see that there's numbers behind it. But when I create something, I'm not doing it because I think I'm going to get a like or a comment or whatever. I'm doing it because I need to get this out. And if it is helpful for someone else, that is it. That's the juice. That's the good stuff. Likes and comments will follow if they do. I don't pay attention to them. I care more about a comment, though, I'll tell you that, than a like or a share or a favorite or anything like that, because a comment is going to get me a community. And that's what I care about. So getting, letting go of validation has been, and it will always kind of a struggle, but it has been freeing. I don't care as much about what other people are going to think of me, um, especially in the social world. My friends and my family, I'll be myself all day, but the social world, I'm like, don't comment on my hair. Don't comment on the way I talk or the fact that I'm not wearing makeup or did I say something wrong? I'm just myself now and I will find my people because I am going to continue to be myself. Two, two things and then we'll start to put a beautiful bow on this conversation and find a nice ending point, even though I could talk to you all day long. So two things from that. One is what you just said to me beautifully paralleled what you just said about your house. You're clearing off your island because it fills you up. You're writing that piece for you. You're not doing it for validation. And so I love that parallel. And then something else to loop in. We had a conversation off, off air. It sounds way too fancy to say, but we had a one-on-one -on -one conversation. <laughs> and we talked about how this past year you've you're just living more because we don't know how, we don't know what tomorrow brings. And you were talking about wearing whatever, whatever moved you, putting on your earrings, doing whatever felt good to you. And I just, I love that. And you reminded me because this is not a dress rehearsal, people. Like that validation, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it does like just live 
for today. It's so cliche. Live for today. It's cliche, but it's also true. Like, yeah, you've seen how quickly your life can change. Lacey has seen how quickly your life has changed. I've had my life go upside down. It's it's been long enough now from my life turning upside down that I've actually forgot. And so it was beautiful for you to remind me. And I messaged you. I put on fancy. I love that you did. And I didn't have anything. I just went to, I wasn't doing anything fancy, but I was like, what am I saving these for? Today is yeah. it's now, it's now. And so I think even though it's two true, holding two truths. Ooh, I'm going to wrap this up really nice. It's holding two truths. Your last year has been unbelievably challenging. And as I say, we all have our shit sandwiches and you were given a ton of shit sandwiches to eat. And another truth at the same time is you've had a lot of beautiful things come out of this. Your, all that you said, stop pushing the boulder, allowing your community to really support you. Like you said, you were crumbling, but you didn't break. And I think the way you're shining out of this is amazing. And it's not to say it's two truths at the same time. I'm not saying it's good that any of that stuff happened. I'm not saying you wouldn't have become this person without that. It's just those two things happened at the same time. And I hope you recognize how beautifully you have navigated this past year. I'm going to cry because it's... I wish, and this is why I wanted to bring you on, I wish I would have had somebody like you in my life when I was going through struggles to see there's a way to navigate this where I can say I need help. I can say I'm vulnerable. I can let go of looking all like everything looks good on the outside. No, everything's fine. Everything's fine. I'm just going to keep putting band-aids and patchwork and duct tape over this hole that really needs to just be taken down and rebuilt. I didn't have those models in my life when I was going through my shit sandwiches. I was just trying to eat them on the side without anyone noticing. And so if one, like at least, you know, we say if one listener can hear this and just realize you're not alone in your struggles that you can ask for help and you can receive help and you can have some beautiful things come out of a really shitty situation. As I keep trying to remind Lacey too with her shitty situation, there's a lot of beauty inside of it as well. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for, thank you for saying that you, you have been amazing throughout this whole process. Lacey, you too. It's those moments of realness I think that are the most beautiful. And I think that was one of the hardest things to let go of because I'm bubbly and optimistic and everything is sunshine and roses. And so that's why I use the analogy of drowning in a glass half full because I never came up for air to say, you know what, this sucks. This totally sucks and I need help. And if I hadn't gone through that process of being at the stove, like we talked about, Lacey, and realizing I'm choking on this, this is not the life I want to lead, I wouldn't have faced the ugly parts of my life in order to move that boulder aside so now my arms are free and open for other beautiful things. And so recognizing that life is not always sunshine and roses and sharing them with other people while still having beautiful moments of silliness and laughter and dance parties and whatnot, that that was eye-opening for me. And I realized that holding on to that and keeping the sadness close to my heart wasn't doing anyone service, especially myself. So thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. Lacey keeps talking about this joyful, joyful support. Joyful support. Of being reminded in those moments of all those things you just said. And I really feel we keep dancing or not dancing around. It's coming to us what's what this is all evolving into. It's revealing itself. But listening to you talk, it's like, yeah, there's times in our lives where we need that community to remind us that we can cry and laugh at the same time. We can be pissed off and find something beautiful at the same time. Like, it can be all those things and we Definitely. can share all those things. We don't have to just share the sunshine and roses. We can share all of it and be okay. Yeah. Ooh, I felt like I landed that plane just like with no bumps. Oh man, that felt smooth. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to No Shame in the Home Game. We hope you can take a little nugget to use in your own home. Remember to subscribe to the podcast in your player of choice, like us on social media, rate and review, and share with all of your friends. You can always visit joyfulsupportmovement.com to learn more about No Shame in the Home Game and the other Joyful Support podcasts. While you're there, you can join the newsletter or sign up for the Joyful Support Village. Now go out there and spread joy.